God does not ask for anybody's opinion. So he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I have come to tell somebody today, God has decided to be gracious to you. God has decided to have compassion on you. You shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In this same, same Nairobi that is swallowing people, you shall not be swallowed, but you shall excel. In this same, same world where there is coronavirus, it shall not come near you. In the name of Jesus. talk about the glory of God, the glory of God from, from um, Exodus 33 verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. All right? Please show me your glory. Verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness to pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Then verse 21, he said, And the Lord said, Here is a place by me. Some versions say, Here is a place near me, and you shall stand on the rock. So verse 18, this is Moses that is asking God to show him, he, uh, he's telling God, Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And this begins to tell you that if you see the glory of God anywhere, it tells you that someone has been asking for it. The glory of God does not show up for nothing. That is why there is no glory of God in the desert. That is why there is no glory of God in the nightclub. Because nobody is looking for it. But in the house of God, you can find the glory of God if people are hungering for it, if people are asking for it. So if you go anywhere and you see the glory of God, you need to know that someone has asked God for it. Someone is paying the price for it. Someone is working for that glory to come. So Moses said, show me your glory. And then now God, in verse 19, tells him three things. Because now the glory of God, if the glory of God will come, there are things that God will do and there are things that you have to do. If you want to see the glory of God in your life, there is a part that you have to play and there is a part that God has to play. So in verse 19, God tells Moses about three things that he will do. The responsibility of God. Three things that are the responsibility of God. And then in verse 21, God tells Moses three things that are his responsibility. So let's look at the responsibility of God, the things that God has got to do. The first thing he says is that I will make all my goodness to pass before you. That's the first thing that God does. Because the glory of God is the goodness of God. The goodness of God released in somebody's life released in a country, released in a church. That's the glory of God. And God says, I will make all of my goodness to pass before you. 
That's his responsibility. What is the goodness of God? The goodness of God is relative. Because what you want from God may not necessarily be what I want from God. There are different levels in life. Every person is in a different level. Some things that you want, maybe me, I don't want them. Some things that I want, maybe you, you don't want them. You passed that level long time ago. But God says, I will make all of my goodness to pass before you so that everyone can get what it is they want. I have told you a story before of a certain church where before the pastor preached, he gave an opportunity to people for, uh, to give testimonies. And he said uh, three minutes each. He asked the first person came forward. It was a young man that had a problem. He didn't have good shoes. So he said, I, I was, my shoes were torn. And so I, I, I saw on Facebook that a friend of mine was coming from America and coming to Kenya. So I wrote to him and I told him, as you come back to Kenya, please, we have come from far with you. Bring me a pair of Nike shoes that I can be going to church with and worship without feeling shame. Because the shoes I have right now are torn. And when I go to the house of God in torn shoes, I feel ashamed of myself. So the brother said, and I want to thank God because this week I have seen the goodness of God. My friend came from America and he brought me this beautiful pair of Nike shoes that I am wearing. And so I have come to the house of God and I glorify God and I am not ashamed to be in this house. The church clapped for him. He went and sat down. Another brother lifted up his hand on that side. The pastor called him forth and he gave, uh, he gave him the microphone. This other brother said, before I speak, I would like you to get to know my wife. He called his wife and introduced his wife. Then his wife gave back the microphone for him to give a testimony. And this brother said, I want to thank God because this week, me and my wife, we have seen the Lord. Me and my wife, we have been believing God for an aeroplane. And me and my wife, we want to thank God this week that we have seen his goodness because the aeroplane that we purchased has been delivered. It is at Wilson Airport here. They went and sat down. The church clapped for them. Two people, same church, same pastor, same anointing, same glory of God. Every one of them in different levels of life. For one, the goodness of God was a pair of shoes because that was the level he was in. For another one, the goodness of God was an aeroplane because that was the level he is in. Now, in between, there are very many other levels. And that is why God says, I will make all my goodness to pass. All of it, from the bottom to the top, all of it, I will make it to pass before you so that every one of you will experience the goodness of God at your level. Somebody say amen. May you experience the goodness of God tonight in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. The second thing he says is that I will proclaim my name before you that I will announce my name before you. What that means is that God will use your life to make a name for himself. That he, he does not proclaim his name to you. He proclaims your, his name before you to other people watching, other people that watch your life, other people that watch your struggles, other people that watch the things that you have gone through and overcome, and they surely can say, if this one has come out of these problems, the God that he worships is a true God. 
If, this, if it is this one who is in this level, the God that he is worshipping is a true God. The God can use your life to proclaim his name, to make a name for himself. How does God use your life to make a name for himself? One day there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were brought before Nebuchadnezzar because they refused to worship the idol that they refused to bow down to the idol that uh, the king had made. And so the king said, is it true that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have refused to worship before my gods? These gods that he is mentioning, he did not even tell us his name. We don't know if it is Baal. We don't know if it is Diana. We don't know which god he is. They were just talking about gods. And then these young men, they answered the king and they told the king, O king, live forever, but be it known unto you that we have a god. But they did not name their god. They said, we have a god. And uh, that's after the king had, uh, had uh, commanded for the fiery furnace to be put on. And so they said, we have a god. And our god is able to save us from your fiery furnace. And even if he is not able to save us, even if he does not save us, we still will not worship. But they did not say who their God was. Then the king got angry. He commanded those young men were taken and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. When they were thrown into the fiery furnace, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked and he stood up and said, did we not throw three men inside that fire? But now I see four men and the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. It is now Nebuchadnezzar who is telling us that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego has a son. <laughs> Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as at, as at that time, they did not know that their God has a son. Because Jesus had not yet been revealed. So they didn't know. It is Nebuchadnezzar who saw that the God of these boys has a son. That is how the Lord proclaims his name before you so that people get a revelation of God because of what he has done in your life. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the fiery furnace and he called out and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all ye servants of the most high God, he gave their God a name. He gave their God a name. Those boys did not tell us that their God was the most high. It is the people that saw that the fire was not burning them that declared that their God was the most high. Then Nebuchadnezzar declared again, and he said, I have commanded that in this kingdom, anybody who shall speak evil about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be put to death. And he also said that there shall be no other God in his empire except the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is how God proclaims his name before you. May the Lord proclaim his name before you in your situations. May people in your family get to know the Lord because of what he has done for your life, because of the goodness that he has released in your life. Somebody say amen. Then the third thing is that he says, and I will be gracious. To whom I will be gracious? 
And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God is saying it is my choice. It is me who decides who I will be gracious to and who I will have compassion on. Because God knows people. God does not ask people. God, when God wants to bless you, he does not ask for the opinion of your village elders. When God wants to bless you, he does not ask for the opinion of people in your church because God knows people that you can be born in the same family and somebody does not want good for you. That you can be coming from the same village, but they are the people that are bewitching you. That you can even be in the same church and they are the people that are undermining you. That is why God does not ask for anybody's opinion. So he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I have come to tell somebody today, God has decided to be gracious to you. God has decided to have compassion on you. You shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In this same, same Nairobi that is swallowing people, you shall not be swallowed, but you shall excel. In this same, same world where there is coronavirus, it shall not come near you in the name of Jesus because God will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. The choice is his. Yeah. And the good thing is that he has chosen to be compassionate to us. Oh, yes. God has chosen to be gracious to you. That is why you are here tonight. That is why you are alive tonight. That is why you are healthy tonight. Amen. You may not be having everything that you want in life, but at least you have the things that are the most necessary. You are breathing oxygen for free. You will go home and arrive safely. You are healthy. You will lay down to sleep and you will wake up in the morning again because God has been compassionate to you. And why has he been so good to you? And yet you are not the best. Oh, yes. Let me tell you something. God has been good to us and yet we have not been very good to him. The Bible says that even when we are not faithful. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Ah, even you, you know yourself. Yeah, even you, you know you are not good. Don't lift up your hand, but you know, even you, you know the way you talk to your husband. Even you, you know, even you, you know the way you behave in private. Even you, you know you are not good. But God has just chosen to be gracious to you because it is his choice. Even he told the Israelites, I have not chosen you because you are righteous. I have not chosen you because you are good. I have chosen you because it is my choice. It is my choice. So God has chosen us. Amen, amen again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God has chosen us because it is his choice. Then in verse 21, God tells, those are the three things that God does to reveal his glory in your life. Verse 21, Moses is being told three things that he has now to do. Because the glory of God, to maintain the glory of God, there are things that God must do and there are things that you now must do. The Bible says, is the first thing. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. 
That means uh, some scriptures, some versions say, here is a place near me. In order for you to consistently experience the glory of God, you must find this place called near me. This place where is near God. You must consistently live a life where you, are, you seek God. You are near God. You talk to God. You are a worshiper of God. You are a person of prayer. That you have found that place that is near God. And that place that is near God is found by men and women who are worshippers of God and men and women who are people of prayer. People of prayer who pray even when they don't want, even when they don't have problems. There are people who are in prayer centers today because they have a problem. There are people who are fasting today because they have a problem and they want God to see them through. But let me tell you, when the problem is solved, you'll not see them again in that prayer center until another problem comes. Then they will go back to that prayer center. But if you will find this place that is near God. You go to pray because you want fellowship with him. Not because there is a problem that you have. Whether you have a problem or not, your prayer life does not change. Whether you have a problem or not, your life of worship does not change because you want to be near God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The second thing he says, here is a place near me and you shall stand. Are you seeing that? You shall stand. Because God does not work with fallen people. If you fall, stand. If you fall, stand. Arakaraka. Arakaraka. Because God does not work with fallen people. If you stay fallen for long, the glory of God will leave you. You will stop experiencing the glory of God. You will stop seeing the glory of God. Like one man who fell, his name was called Saul. Until one day, he searched for God and searched for God until he could not find God. And he went to a witch doctor so that a witch can help him to talk to God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine to lose the glory of God to an extent where you now go to the enemy of God to try to talk to God on your behalf? And he went there, and the witch called forth Samuel. And Samuel asked him, what's your, the problem with you? You are disturbing me. Then Saul told Samuel, God has stopped talking to me. I have tried everything. I have tried to communicate to God, but he refuses to talk to me. That is because he remained fallen for too long. Too long. If you, if you fall, stand. Oh yes, you stand. Because God does not work with fallen people. Fallen people can no longer experience the glory of God. Fallen people can no longer see the kingdom of God. Fallen people. God told Moses, you must stand. If you are here and you are fallen, when it is time to, to, to find a place of prayer, Find a corner and tell God, I am fallen, I repent, forgive me, I want to stand again. And by the end of this meeting, you will be standing, and by the time we leave this door, you will sense the presence of God and the glory of God in your life. Somebody say amen.
Amen. Then he says, and you shall stand on the rock. He tells him specifically where to stand. He tells him, you shall stand on the rock. The rock is Jesus. The rock is Jesus. Remember, they are in the wilderness. They are in the wilderness. And in that wilderness, there is a rock that consistently followed the children of Israel. That's what the Bible says, that there is a rock that followed them. Everywhere they went, there was a rock. And this is the rock that Moses was being told, you will stand on that rock. But to stand on this rock is difficult. It's difficult. Oh, let me tell you, to stand on the principles of Jesus, my God, it is not a joke. Can you imagine that it is Jesus who said that if they slap you on this side, you give them this side also. Can you imagine Jesus said that if they take away your shirt, give them even your coat. Can you imagine Jesus said that if they compel you to go one mile, go with them too. Can you imagine that Jesus said that everybody that borrowed from you, you must lend them. Can you imagine the things Jesus said? Can you imagine Jesus said that you must forgive somebody 70 times, 7 times per day? That is 490 times per day. If it, the 24 hours elapse, we begin afresh. We begin afresh. Can you imagine? Oh, let me tell you, to stand on the rock is hard. Even he himself told, the, he told his followers that narrow is the gate, difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few that will find it. Even him, he knows that his way is difficult, but he says you must stand on that rock, especially on the issue of forgiveness. In our generation, that is the issue that bothers people the most. But let me tell you, there is somebody who is in this place listening to me tonight and you are struggling with forgiveness. You are telling me, Pastor, you don't know what that man did to me. Today, when I was coming, another lady was writing for me, to, to chatting me on WhatsApp and she was telling me, Pastor, this man, he broke my heart. He destroyed, I loved him with all of my heart. Then he left me and I feel embarrassed, you know, you know, you know. Have you ever been booted on WhatsApp? I mean, he destroyed, have you ever been? <laughs> it is very painful. It is very painful, but let me tell you something. No matter what people have done to you, nobody has wronged you. You have not yet been wronged more than the way Jesus was wronged. Jesus was the person that was wronged in the ultimate way. Jesus was wronged. He was beaten by the people he created. He was spat on by the people he had grace on to breathe his free oxygen. They put him on the cross. They killed him. They stripped him of his clothes. And he said there when he was dying, being wronged by the creation he created, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me tell you, you cannot come to God and tell God what he did to me was so terrible, I cannot forgive. 
because you are not the standard for forgiveness. The standard for forgiveness is Jesus. If Jesus was able to forgive those people, if Jesus was able to forgive those people who killed him, and he is the one who created them, and he is the one who maintained their lives until that moment, if he forgave them, you have no excuse. I heard Koigi Wawamwere saying, he has not forgiven Moi, and that he is praying that even in heaven, they will not be in the same corner. Let me tell you something, Koigi Wawamwere. If you know Koigi Wawamwere, tell Koigi Wawamwere, in heaven, you are not the standard. The standard is Jesus. If Jesus forgave the people who killed him, Koigi Wawamwere, you must forgive Moi. Yeah. It is unfortunate, but we must stand on the rock. But as I talk to Koigi Wawamwere, do you know I'm also talking to you? You must forgive your ex-wife. Oh, you must forgive your, your former husband. Ama, ah, no, 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 see you in a year. I was looking thee here. <laughs> you must forgive people that wronged you. You must forgive people. Are you understanding me now? Because the standard is Jesus. If Jesus forgave, those people, you have no excuse. You must forgive. Oh, yes, you must forgive. But I'm not saying forgiving is easy. Forgiving is not easy. It is difficult, but that is the standard. On the rock, you know. The other thing that he was told to stand on the rock is because, you see, this rock, oh, this rock, this rock followed them everywhere they went. Everywhere they went, from the day they left Egypt, that rock would appear somewhere, would appear there somewhere. What does that tell you? That tells you that Jesus wants you to stand on the rock so that you can have constant fellowship with him because the pursuit of God is still the pursuit of man. We are standing here, some of us, not because we have made it by being good, but because the Lord has pursued us. The Lord has followed us. Sometimes we gave up. But the Lord followed us and brought us back to the kingdom. Sometimes even we fell away from the grace of God. But the Lord was faithful. He pursued us. I remember one day I went to a club. It is called Spider. Spiders. It used to be in town there. Spiders. So we went to Spiders with some of my friends. And we were there drinking beer. And there was a lot of music. And all my friends, they went. Me, I, I didn't. I, on that day, I don't know what was happening to me. I did not feel like dancing, you know. And so, and so the type of music they were playing. Because me, I'm a reggae person, you know. So those things, those things they don't move me. So me was waiting for my music to play. So they went to dance there. And when they were dancing, the presence of God came on that table. I was watching their beers for them. The presence of God came on that table. My eyes were opened. I just saw the way we are all going to hell. I saw them, the way they are dancing, they looked like demons. <laughs> You know, they were behaving like demons. In my heart, now I began to see spiritually. I began to see them looking like demons. And in my heart, I began to see that we are all going to hell. I stood up from that club. I walked out. I went home. I arrived home at one o'clock in the night. And I have never been to a disco ever since. I stand here. 
Not because I am good, but because the rock pursued me. He keeps on following me. He keeps on following me when I'm discouraged. He keeps on following me when I am weak. He keeps on following me when I am down to lift me up. That is why he said, stand on the rock. Because when you stand on the rock, this rock will keep following you. As you pursue him by trying to find the place that is near him, he also pursues you. For the pursuit of God is still the pursuit of men. The last thing about this rock, ah, this rock, this rock followed them everywhere in the wilderness. And when all the supplies, the normal, uh, the regular supplies of water failed, it is this rock that supplied their needs. When they got to a place where there were no wells, when they got to a place where there were no rivers, when they got to a place where there were no lakes where they could draw water, it is this rock that provided water for them. God was telling Moses, stand on this rock because when the systems that, the regular systems of providence fail, this rock will supply your needs. I have come to tell you that if the regular forms of supply in Nairobi fail, the rock will not let you down. And the rock is Jesus. Jesus will make a way for you. One day there was a man of God, his name was Samson. Samson was doing the work of God. He killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And when he was finished, the Bible says, and he was very thirsty. And he lifted up his voice and he asked God, Oh God, shall I also die like these Philistines? These uncircumcised Philistines. The Bible says, and God drilled a well for him. Drilled a well for him in the hollow place that is in Lehi. And Samson drew water and he drank and his thirst was quenched. Samson needed a glass of water. God drilled a well for him that he may never thirst again. That is why God was telling uh, Moses, you stand on the rock. The rock will meet you at the point of your needs. The rock will supply your needs. One day there was another lady. Her name was Hagar. She was sent away by Abraham and she went into the wilderness. The water that they were given got finished. The wilderness was hot. They began to die of thirst. And Hagar decided, I don't want to see my child die of thirst. So she took her child and put the child there. And then she went and sat somewhere else, somewhere different, because she did not want to see the baby dying. But the Bible says, and God opened her eyes. And she saw the well in a place, ah, in a place called Beersheba. She's, God opened her eyes. God did not drill a well for her the way he drilled a well for Samson. He opened her eyes and she saw wells of water in a place called Beersheba. Do you know the meaning of Beersheba? The meaning of Beersheba is the place with ten wells. Ten wells, Beersheba. is the place with ten wells. Oh. <laughs> this girl was dying of thirst in a place where there were 10 wells, but her eyes were blinded and she could not see. But God 
who was still pursuing her opened her eyes and she saw the wells that are there. Let me tell you, some of us are suffering in this Nairobi. This Nairobi that is so full of money. This Nairobi that is so full of wealth. And yet some of us have not yet paid our house rent. May the Lord open your eyes. May the Lord open your eyes. Because you are in a place of abundance. That in this same, same place where you're not seeing, there are 10 wells for you. Do you know this Nairobi, this Nairobi? This Nairobi has got a lot of money. This Nairobi, see Kubaya, if you want to say, there is a lot of money. Money has been eaten at one NYS. It is not getting finished. It is still there. People have eaten it. I don't know where. It is not getting finished. We are still continuing. People are saying there is no money. People are building houses. Houses are still going up. Cars are still being bought. Now I think the number plate is KD. I don't know where it has reached, but it has really advanced from the last time you bought a car. Things are happening since you were away. Things are happening in this city. There is an abundance that you have not seen. May the rock open your eyes that you may see the abundance that is in this country. May the Lord open your eyes that you may see the opportunities that are in this country. May the Lord open your eyes that you may see the opportunities that are all around you. There are opportunities around you. Only that maybe your eyes are closed. But from today, those eyes will be open. Those eyes will be open. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. Find a place of prayer. And do those three things that God told Moses. That here is a place near me where you shall stand on the rock. Because God wants to release his goodness in this church. God wants to... Hey, let me tell you, when we begin building, my God, let me tell you, you will not believe how people will become rich. Because can I give you some kingdom economics? That if God, if the church needs one million shillings and the bishop prays together with mom, oh Lord, provide for us a million shillings. God does not release one million. He released, he distributes 10 million shillings amongst the people so that you can give your tithe and the million can be released, uh, can be accomplished. And the nine million, you eat. Those are kingdom economics. God has never told you to bring everything that you have. God told you, bring your tithe. So God, if the church needs 10 million, it means God will release 100 million amongst the people. If the building needs uh, uh, 500 million, half a billion, it means that God will release, will release, will release what? How many? That is where my mathematics is. <laughs> God will release 50, 50 billion. Eh? <laughs> so, that, uh, so, that, so that the need can be met. You better get ready. Because God is going to release his goodness over your life. So that you can receive. So that we can build. So, and when you receive, we said you take your tithe where? What did we say? Let me not hear that you are sending your tithe to Nigeria. I'll report you to the bishop. Let me not hear you as... If, if, 
find a place of prayer because the goodness of the Lord is about to be released. But for those that are going to be faithful to the vision of God in this house, somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Let me help you learn to be faithful. If you try tricks, the God who gave you can also take away. <laughs> Find a place of prayer.